0: stop and think before you buy anything or do you know like consume things like do I actually need this is there a plastic free alternative is this something that I want to bring into my life how will the end of life of this product be can I donate it will it end up in a landfill
1: back to let it out. This is the first episode of the new decade. I missed recording these intros. no I didn't. I recording the intros is not my favorite thing but I did miss you guys and I missed doing episodes although you know that's a lie too. I was recording a lot of episodes over the last several weeks because I'm now in Bali recording this. I've been here. About a week and a half. More on that later, and on my Instagram if you're curious. But today I have a new episode that was recorded live in Denver with my friend Sarah Weinrab. And Sarah has a really cool podcast called Medium Well that I actually got to help her start through a workshop that I lead that helps people start podcasts called Let a Podcast Out. Sarah has gone through the course and has Medium Well, her podcast, which I've been a guest on, which we mentioned in this, but we had this conversation with really, it was the best group of people in Denver. And we made sourdough, Sarah and I, and Ian, her boyfriend. And we had this beautiful platter of dips and spreads and fruits and snacks and vegetables and crackers and sourdough and spiced hot apple cider. And it was just a really cozy night in a cozy conversation where we talked about the importance of community, especially for freelancers, but really for everyone and the importance of finding community when you move to a new city and how to do that. Because Sarah used to live in New York, that's how we met and became friends. And now she lives in Denver. And so we spoke about her building community there. We talked about relationships with our parents As we get older, as adults, we talk about the wellness industry and some downfalls there. We really get into this conversation about creating openness around money and finances, which I thought was really interesting. We talk about feeling overwhelmed and we talk about sustainability. Sarah is one of the most sustainable people that I know and talks about it in a really grounded, approachable way. And I think that's a really important part of this conversation. So pull up a chair, listen as you're walking or folding laundry or however you like to listen, but enjoy my conversation with Sarah Weinrapp. Oh, and it's really fitting that Sarah is the guest this week because she went to Bali a couple of years ago and really encouraged me to come here. And I'm actually staying in the same inn that Sarah stayed in with this Balinese Family that's so lovely, and they remembered Sarah, and you'll see why because she's just a gem. Okay, talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by Cured Nutrition, a holistic supplement company based in Boulder, Colorado. And if you're into organic, hemp derived CBD products, you might already know Cured. They're Great. I love them. I met them when I was in Colorado a couple years ago, and they make these full spectrum tinctures and treats that work with your body's natural system to produce clear benefits without the worry of the psychoactive component. And they have this really cool business model that's in-house, farm to table, and CBD is becoming way more common now. It's included in wellness regimens and routines to improve sleep and decrease inflammation and reduce the body's stress load. And what's interesting about this company is that they really make taking CBD fun. I love their cookie dough product so much. It's the snack of, it's like peanut butter and chocolate and nuts. And somehow it's just so delicious. And it has CBD, which makes me feel a bit calmer. And I take CBD a lot for my anxiety, but it's interesting the founder of this company started using it for his dog to reduce stress and help with the seizures that his puppy was having. So you can actually use CBD for your pets as well, which I think is really cool. Again, their cookie dough is my absolute favorite, but I do use the dropper and I like that too. If you're worried about jumping through a lot of hoops to get your hands on some CBD or some cured nutrition, don't be the company ships all of their products safely to all 50 states and you can find my favorite products the cookie dough and the dropper and everything else at curednutrition.com that's curednutrition.com and use my code let it out at checkout that's good for 15% off any order and again the link is in the show notes and if you want to try them out just please you know, use the code, might as well, 15% off your order. Um, And let me know what you think. I would really love to know what your favorite products are. Thank you so much, Gared. So how many of you have listened to our podcast? Most everyone. Great. Okay. So Basically, we are just going to have an organic conversation that we were going to do anyway. And we figured it would be fun to not only invite people to eavesdrop, but to really make this an interactive discussion with all of you. And so when Sarah and I were thinking about this and preparing for this, and by preparing, I mean like maybe a two-second conversation we had at (laughs) dinner last night. But I... Had this idea that I thought would be interesting if we both came to the conversation with three topics that we wanted to talk about and we weren't going to tell each other. And they might be repetitive or they might be super different. And we haven't told each other, but I took some time to think about today and I wrote them in my phone. Um, And then two or three silly or fun questions.
0: You definitely didn't tell me that part.
1: I didn't tell you that. No, (laughs) I'll Um, come up with
0: them. No problem. Or just lighter (laughs)
1: questions, I guess. And I didn't really actually like didn't really come up with many of those. So I'm thinking that I could outsource that homework to you guys. So maybe right now, like while we're talking in the back of your mind, think of a silly, fun question that we can ask. You can ask us and we can ask each other and maybe you can tell us the answers to you guys, too. I think that's always just a fun way to get to know people and and maybe could snowball into a broader discussion. So. Anyway, that's kind of what today is going to be about, a cozy conversation about things that are just on our mind. And I love this medium. I've been thinking so much about podcasting in the last... Honestly, the last week. I hadn't recorded a conversation for a while. And I've been doing this since 2013. So it was before Serial, before people really knew what podcasting was. And I love this medium. Like you, Susie, I got into it through through a lot of different people. But mainly, my podcast is based on how some old comedy people do their podcast of a really long conversation. We're kind of like 45 minutes in, you forget you're recording and you can just be people with each other. And for some reason, having a microphone between us allows me to ask things that I'm curious about that I wouldn't be... I'd be a bit too bashful to ask in real life. And I had an interesting experience. I went to Austin for Thanksgiving and like I was saying, I hadn't recorded one of these conversations for, for a while, but in the last week while I've been traveling, I've been recording a bunch because I'm going to be gone for a while. So I'm like getting a bunch in and I, I'm i getting, clearly I haven't recorded. I'm like getting out of breath <laughs> like speaking. I need to warm up. <laughs> yeah. So I I was at this farm recording and then I was, I really enjoyed that. And I just had like such a great I forgot, like I forgot the muscle, you know. It was kind of like riding a bike. I was like, oh, I really like this. And then I was with my family in Austin and I recorded a conversation with my cousins, who are these two people that I idolize. They're like a decade older than me and just really funny and cool. And I have conversations with them all the time, or like not that often because you know they're extended family. But when I pulled out the microphone and we actually started recording, it totally changed the dynamic and it was something really interesting. So I know we were talking before this, but and it's sort of weird and stunted that we like pick up this like machinery here, but I think it really does lend something. Do you find that like what has been your experience having? Because you've had a podcast now for like a year, yeah. right? What is your experience with podcasting then? Yeah.
0: I mean, it's so interesting because I've interviewed so many of my friends on the podcast, mm-hmm. and absolutely, I'm like, this is there's some friends that I've known for years or even done work with, but I've never like sat down and had like an intentional conversation asking them about their expertise or their work. Like, I'm thinking about my friend, Allie Mahler, who's, super talented and she's a community designer. She worked at IDEO and all these really cool places. And we've, we had a retreat together. We've worked together. We, we've, we've met through work, but I've never like sat down and been like, how do you build community? And like, I got to interview her about that. And it just, it does really lead to interesting conversations, different topics that like, I, I like exactly like you said, it gives you the opportunity to ask questions where like, I'm not normally just like sitting around with you and be like, Hey, so tell me about this thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I think both of our podcasts are very vulnerable and organic and just on yeah. thing, uh, things unfold, but you do get to prepare a little bit. So it, it is, it is nice to have that like opportunity to intentionally have that conversation that I don't often have.
1: Did anything else surprise you about doing your podcast?
0: Mm, probably. I mean, I think it just led me to a lot of interesting conversations and like, I really allow my podcast to just go where it wants to go. I, I've, draw a lot of inspiration from you and just like having long form conversations and like this month I'm really into spirituality. I'm going to like get hypnotized and talk about weird things and have my weird records read and whatever. And then next month I want to like talk about business. And so I think it's just really given me an opportunity to like have space for all of that. And also just like people think you're cool if you have a podcast when you're like, really? I just sit alone in my room with this awkward (laughs) microphone, like literally sitting on the floor in my closet being like, hello, people that might not be listening. Yeah, But yeah, apparently you just need an awkward microphone to seem cool. I think about that all the time. Like
1: when I I first started my podcast, I was 22. It was 2013. Nobody really knew what podcasting was, but because I was on iTunes and like anybody can be on iTunes, I was reaching out to these people I really admired and they like They were like, "Oh yeah, I'll do your podcast." That's like you're on iTunes, you know. Like, but really, it was like a kid in Michigan, like who didn't know. uh, Like, I I use these as like recording the first few episodes. So, and that's kind of the interesting thing about it is that it. I say this all the time, but I think podcasting is the new networking. Like, it's allowed me to meet so many people, not just through the guests, but through the community of people who listen, and then those people get to meet each other and. That's just the the coolest thing in the world to me.
0: I mean, I guess one thing that's, I don't know if it's surprised me, but I've been really grateful for is just the opportunity to like, people are so giving with their time on podcasts and like their expertise and like people that I've looked up to for a really long time that I've talked to on Instagram or whatever. And I'm like, Hey, will you come on my podcast? And I'm like, sure. And we have like a great conversation that it just wouldn't have been an opportunity to have otherwise. So I'm just like really grateful that people are willing to take that time and share their expertise in that way.
1: Yeah. It's a relatively low ask because you don't have, it's not like asking them to write a blog post or asking yeah. them to like, they just have to show up and give an hour of their time, yeah. which is not a small thing. People are busy, but I think they're more apt to do that. Yeah. So you are someone I really admire in so many ways, but you're a creative person who's worked a bunch of different jobs over your career and is, you know, someone I, I've kind of in talking about this term life artist a lot. It's just like been in my mind. I saw this Leonard Cohen documentary. Didn't anyone see that this summer? Um, it's like about his muse. It's about Marianne. And she calls herself a life artist. And it's just someone who like is really present and does a lot of things well. Like Sarah makes sourdough, you know what I mean? And like, she's wonderful with sustainability and she's so creative and an f- amazing writer and amazing like girlfriend and friend and person. And you do so many things Well, but you do so many things in your career, you've done a lot of pivoting. So, and you've given me a lot of good advice around that. How do you handle that when you're changing from thing to thing? And I I think you've done it with a lot of like poise and grace.
0: Thank you. That's funny you asked me that because I feel like that's why I started my podcast to like ask everybody else that (laughs) because I'm like, I don't know how to do this. But I think that what I've realized over the past several years. So, for people who don't know, I worked my last full time job was at a Uh, accelerator for entrepreneurs starting impact-driven businesses. So I did that for a little over three years, primarily because I wanted to learn the skills because I knew I would want to launch my own business, but also because I loved it and I got to meet really cool people and it was just really awesome. And yeah, I left that job to start my own company. I had an ethical fashion company that that I ran for two and a half years um, and closed that down almost two years ago now. Wow, that's amazing. December 2017, I announced that I was closing and took a few months and Sold everything off. Not everything. I still have a few random things that I try to sell on Instagram once in a while. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been going too well, but <laughs> it is Black Monday or whatever if Black. people wanna. <laughs> I like think it's Black Friday. Or Cyber Monday. Yeah. And so I pivoted uh about two years ago to I don't I don't even think there is a thing. Like I'm doing freelance writing mostly and my podcast and now I'm studying herbalism. I think The most important thing to me is just to know what I'm working towards. So, what I've kind of come up with is a life mission, not like a business mission, but a life mission, which is pretty general, but it's to help people be kinder and more connected to themselves, each other, and the planet. And I realized that's really what all my work has been. And that's what my fashion company was it was an ethical and sustainable fashion company. And I realized I hated the retail part of it, but I loved the community and the questions we were asking and all of that. So, I think really that's like been the most important thing to me is just like, is this helping me to do the things I want to do? And also just like, I mean, I'm a very like, I don't know. I'm just going to try this thing. I'm just going to do this thing. Like I'm not a perfectionist for better or for worse. If you read my emails, you probably see typos. Drives my mom insane. She always emails me there's a typo. You could send it to me in advance. And I'm like, okay, mom, not going to
1: happen. Shout out to your mom who's wonderful. Hi, Andrea. Yeah, and my
0: mom like love each other. It's really cute. But anyway, wh- what was I saying when I got sidetracked uh, Well, you know, I think
1: I'm, in, I'm interested in, I am somewhat new to being a freelancer as yep. well. And I think that I'm very interested in the intersection of mental health and every career, but especially being a freelancer. Because I think... I don't know for sure, but I do think structure can be helpful for mental health, just in the a, a way of all this free space. When you're someone who has a propensity for melancholy, or you know, that's like a fancy way of saying depression, you know, or like anxiety, those things can kind of rush in when there's empty space. And I know you and I are—we joke about it, but we're you know. F- People who have a lot of feelings. How do you handle uncertainty? How do you handle not being able to control things? How do you, what do you do when you're having a rough time?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is that I always try to just recognize that this is a choice I made. Like, I can go get a full time job. I mean, it's not like that easy. (laughs) I'm sure it would be a process. I haven't interviewed for a job in five, seven, seven years. So I'm sure it would be. very interesting learning experience. But like, this is a decision I made. This is a lifestyle I chose. So I think just like taking a step back and recognizing both the privileges and the challenges that come with this lifestyle is really important. One of the things I used to, I worked with a health coach for several years who's an incredible, incredible person. And one of the things she told me when I was really pivoting towards freelance, because having my fashion business was like, it was still, I was by myself, but it was still like a thing I was working on. Like it was very clear, like I need to sell X number of shirts. Like Now it's a lot more amorphous. And she was just like, one of the hardest things for human beings is not getting any feedback. She's like, it doesn't even matter if you get like a bad review, like at least you're like interacting and like having that experience. And that's something that I've really struggled with with podcasting is because like, I remember when I started podcasting, everyone was like, how is the podcast? And I'm like, literally, I have no idea what's going on. Like I can see X number of people listen to it, but like, there's no like reply to an Instagram story. There's no like, you can leave a review and like, couple people do and you can like maybe find my email or send me a, a message on instagram but there's no feedback loop in podcasting and that's been challenging so i think getting that feedback is really important and just like connecting to others um and recognizing those like the things that are hard and i think the number one advice i give to like any freelancer or entrepreneur is just to have community mm-hmm. like you need you need like i don't know any person who can do this by themselves and that doesn't mean like you need somebody who will like run your business for you. But like, I'm in several communities, uh, mostly virtual, that are for entrepreneurs that like, hey, I'm having a really shitty day. Or hey, like, where do you open a bank account? Or like, hey, me and my boyfriend are fighting because I am always on my computer and can't ever shut off from work. Or like, you know, it can be very technical. It can be very emotional. um, But having that network of people who understand, whether it's like a formal network or friends or whatever, I think that that's like the most important thing because otherwise you don't like you don't have coworkers you know right. you don't have
1: anybody it can be very lonely and isolating very lonely and i think just the sheer amount of decisions that you have to make in a day of what i could work on first or you know i'm the director of hr and finance and creative and it's like what task what hat do i want to wear first that's a lot and then i worked a full time job for 6 years and pivoted out of that to do what i'm doing now full time and i thought it was going to be Because you know what it's like when you're kind of doing a creative project alongside of a full time job, you are kind of doing two jobs at once. And that was super the case for me. So I figured when I would just, when I left my full time job, suddenly I would just have more space for the other thing and it would just be really easy. But turns out that wasn't what happened at all. It was like, it really was a shift in my mind because of not having feedback. Because at the end of the workday, when I had a full-time job, my inbox would be cleared and I would get that hit of dopamine of like, okay, I did everything I needed to for my boss that day. Where now, I never get that closed loop. At the end of the day, there's always more stuff that could be done. And so what helps me with that is making a to do list of like, okay, these are the three imperative things that I will feel good about if I complete at the end of the day. But somebody said, Dr. Robin Burson said this on my podcast a couple of years ago, but she was like, being an entrepreneur is being able to go to sleep knowing not everything is done. And that's really hard for me.
0: <laughs> and I think the weirdest part to me is like, but you're making up the stuff that needs to be done. Like there's nobody, right? Like it's all made up. And I'm like, oh my God, I have so much to get done. And I'm like, but I could also just not do anything. And like, well, that's not true. I have clients that I do need to do things for. Like I'm a freelance writer and they would get pissed and I couldn't pay my bills. But a lot of the things like that we do, like I write a weekly newsletter. We do our podcasts. Like you have sponsors. I don't currently have sponsors. But as my friend Katie Dale, says open to it. <laughs> um, Thank you. Olipop. Yeah. pop. Yeah. called? pop. Yeah. They're very good. But yeah, I mean, that's also sometimes like a kind of weird thing to think about where it's like, I'm so stressed. if so much work. But like. I also made myself stressed and made myself like gave myself this work. So like, can I? One of the one of my favorite things I read once was in Arianna Huffington's book, which I only read like one chapter of, but luckily it was in there. Um, I'm really bad at reading books, but she said something about how a good way to get something off your to do list is to not do it. And, like, of course, there are things you need to do. I love that. But, like, there are certain things where you're, like, I actually don't need to do this. And it's just, like, creating so much stress and yeah. anxiety and, like, oh, my God, I really need to post this picture on Instagram. And it's, like, eh, I don't. Like, yeah. nobody's time paying me or, like, whatever. Yeah, I'm just going to cross it off and not have done it.
1: Okay, I have a couple <laughs> okay, of questions thanks. for you I'm curious about. Yes. That I'm just going to kind of fire off. And then I will look at the topics that I want to talk about. And then cool. I want us to have a conversation. You got very into herbalism this year. What is something that you learned in your that you're learning right now about herbalism or why was that fascinating to you? Why did you want to start doing it in the first place?
0: Yeah, I think the short and long answer is, for people who don't know, two and a half years ago, March 2017, I was diagnosed with a rare but very manageable form of cancer that's chronic. So I have it my whole life and it's very manageable. It's a skin rash and I just have to keep up with it. But that really kind of like sent me into wellness. As Katie knows, when I met her, I was like very much wellness. And I was very, actually the same health coach recommended that I started taking ashwagandha, which is a herb, which is an adaptogen when I was feeling really stressed and really burnt out. And I was like, I have no idea what you just said. Bless you. Did you sneeze? Like, I have no idea what's going on, but sure. So I went to Whole Food and took it and got capsules and took it every day. And I just like felt. I don't think I realized that I felt better. Like, if you would have asked me, I'd be like, no, I feel the same. But at the end of the month, I realized that I didn't feel, like, the same, like, on edge, frazzled, like, insane. Like, I it didn't, like, pay my bills or, like, make the stressful things go away. But it did take the edge off. And if um, it was placebo, who cares? Like, exactly. sometimes that stuff
1: is, like…
0: Exactly. So, I think that kind of just, like, sent me down. Like, this is interesting. And, like, yeah, I drink chamomile tea. But, like, oh, I never really put together that herbal tea, like, actually means something. It just was, like has a picture of a bear on the box and like looks happy. Cool. Um, And I can't have caffeine. So herbal tea. So I think it kind of like built on itself and eventually, and I always felt like my passions for wellness and sustainability had a link, but I couldn't define it. And one day I was just like, herbalism is it. Like we need to be more connected to ourselves, to the planet. Like we are taking the herbs. We are giving to the herbs. We're learning. We're like living in synchronicity with each other. And like, it sounds hippy dippy, but like, it's crazy to think about everything that inhabits this earth and how we play a role in each other. And like, to think about like the tree, this giant tree outside my door. And I'm like, the things this tree has seen, like, it's amazing. Like, how long have you been here? Like, what did it look like when you started growing? Like, it's crazy. So I think that, the, you know, like the things where you're just like trying all these different things and there's just that one thing that just keeps sticking. And you're just like, I just want to learn more about this.
1: Yes. I have that was something.
0: Yeah. So I, I want to hear what that is, but I think I just started, like, I kept being like, I want to study this. I want to study study this. And when I moved here, it was just the perfect opportunity to, like, be more in nature and learn more about these things. And I went to an herbalism festival when I first got here that I found on Instagram, of course, and connected with a local herbalist and asked her for advice on finding an apprenticeship. And she was like, well, we can do it together. So we've been studying together one-on-one. I go to her house once a month in Boulder, and we make herbal medicine and talk about the different systems and is it just one-on-one you and her sometimes because she's an amazing herbalist oh you Um, are yeah she's she's it's just me and her and it's it's really nice oh
1: that sounds up and she's older
0: yeah so you go over to this cozy lady's house yeah does she make you a snack no but we make like herbal things like sometimes we'll make like cracker we make crackers from like yellow dock crackers have you made those you'll see like this plant that looks like old and Rusty on the side of the highway, you can make that into crackers. It's amazing, they taste really good. See, I think herbalism. I'm, I'm, you know, I think
1: one thing that I am curious to talk about is wellness and the, the trendiness of wellness. And I don't know if any of you have been listening to Let It Out for long enough to know this, but when I started, I was super down the rabbit hole of wellness. I had a podcast called The Wellness Wonderland, and that was what all of my stuff kind of lived under. And I think the trendiness of wellness in some ways is welcomed because I think there there are good things that come from that. But I think honestly, if I'm being honest, I think the majority of it might not be great. And I think that it's being capitalized by capitalism and the diet industry. And I don't I think a lot of parts of it aren't great, but I think anytime we can and I actually just wrote a post on Let It Out that where I interviewed Christy Harrison. Do you guys know Christy Harrison? Yeah food psych. She's fantastic. And she's a good friend of mine. We started our podcasts around the same time. And we redefined a lot of words in wellness of instead of exercise, movement, instead of wellness, well-being. Like Just kind of reclaiming these words that have been hijacked by industry. And ultimately, what we really got down to was in terms of wellness, the things that our grandparents have been doing, the things that have been around for millennia, like Community and storytelling and movement and nature and herbalism, Mm -hmm. I think, are always going to be a good idea, you know? And I think this like trend towards gluten free or towards any of these, you know, fads or celery juice or whatever, and I've tried all of it. (laughs) And I don't think that these things are necessarily bad. I think they can be useful, but I think the downside to any sort of system, we were talking about this before of a book or a diet book or even a spiritual system or a manifestation process or whatever it is it's like ultimately the people who create that stuff have to be really specific or why would it be a book you know what i mean it'd be like kind of eat whatever like good good luck and listen to your body like that's end of story you know like there's not like a session there so you have to you know make some sort of process but that's why i think Herbalism is really cool. And I think it's just fun. Like it feels witchy and interesting. And like, I love making concoctions and I'm not an herbalist by any means, but I have a couple of friends who are and people I know who are just into it. And has anyone just made infusions for fun on their own? Yeah, it's just really fun. Like it, next time you go to New York, there's this store called Flower Power. I'm sure you, is there one here in Denver? That's, yeah, there's a few. Yeah, and it's just fun to go in there and like at this place in in New York, everyone kind of looks like Stevie Nicks in there, <laughs> right? right? There's like mm-hmm. blonde Stevie Nicks and redhead Stevie Nicks, and it's just I don't know. Is has that been your experience
0: with it? Yeah, that? I think I think it, like one of the biggest things I immediately learned when I started formally studying was like the context that is missing in the wellness space for herbs. It's like take this powder. It will make you feel relaxed. And it's like, okay, that could be true. Like, yeah, if you take like chamomile, it might make you feel relaxed or valerian or whatever. But like there is, like you said, there is so much history in herbalism. Like there's 6,000 years ago, there's records of people using these herbs and there's so much context around your constitution and the energetics of the plants and like all of these things that like I asked my, my teacher, like, is it bad that we're taking these, like, random powders? And she was like, no, they're probably going to help you. But, like, it is so much more complicated. And, like, you're not necessarily having the true experience when you're taking a pill. And you're not having that connection to the plants, to the earth, to, like, all of these things that can be so rejuvenating. So, yeah, I think it's interesting to see, like, there was a New York Times article about adaptogens. And I'm pretty sure there was not a single herbalist quoted. It was all influencers. Oh, gross. And this is a problem. Like, and I am sure… Two years ago, I was telling everyone to take ashwagandha because I took it and I thought it was cool. and like, it probably would benefit most people. Um, but I'm, I have like a, this is a side note, but like, you know how they add fluorid, fluoride to the water and that's like for your teeth and like maybe questionable. Why can't they just add ashwagandha to the water? And then we'd be like all way less stressed and like get less sick. But anyway, I'm not trying to like force you to have anything in your body. But the point is right. the wellness industry is lacking a lot of context. It's like you said, it's commercialized. Like where people are trying to sell things and even very good, well-intentioned people.
1: Right. And I think it's a, it becomes another class system. It can become elitist. It can, can become a way to like, look around this room. You know, there's like, it can be this like kind of, it can lack diversity. It can lack, people can lack access to these things and that's not great. So I think getting back to the things that have, ultimately it's like, this stuff can be useful and it can be interesting, but it's not everything. And I think having that perspective by it, and I see you thinking about herbalism feels so correct to me because knowing you two years ago, you were so interested in these things, but now you're able to understand them and study them. And I think that that, that's really cool. And it complements your, which is the other thing I wanted to ask you, your love for connection to the earth and sustainability and it feeds that so well so can you talk about you obviously had a sustainable fashion company so it's been part of your work for a while talk about that and then well i'll ask that then i'll ask my
0: next question yeah i mean so the question is like where did my sustainability yeah has that always been part of you i get asked this all the time and i don't know the answer like i mean yes like Mm -hmm. i recycled growing up and like there was always that consciousness, but, like, never anything hardcore. We didn't compost or anything like that. I think. But you do now. But I do now. <laughs> we have a backyard compost, which was also, like, and, like, side note, one of the reasons I ordered one of the Denver green bins, we have, like, commercial compost here, mm-hmm. where the city will pick it up, and then I canceled it because I was, like, once again, going back to these things, like, we live in such a su- such a society that's so out of sight, out of mind, like, great, and I'm Definitely not bashing the Denver green bins, like everybody should use them. But as somebody in sustainability, people would ask me all the time, like, can I put this in my backyard combos? And I'm like, I don't know. I just put it in some bin. I have no idea what happens to it. I never see it again. And I wanted to feel more connected to all these things. So, I mean, my really like formal passion for sustainability came when I had my fashion store and I was just, I started off, everything was made in the USA and I didn't really have any requirements beyond that in fair working conditions. And then I started learning more about sustainability and the, the different sustainable fabrics and polyester probably shouldn't be in my store. And um, the more you learn, the more you you dig deeper. And I, I have a very weird relationship with it now, which is like, I'm very passionate about it. And we brought my sasher bags to the grocery store to buy stuff for these platters. So we didn't have to buy things in packaging. But at the same time, I think it's very once again that you lose a lot of the context for a lot of these conversations where like people become so fixated on not having something in plastic when they don't know the entire story. Like the rice cakes that are on our the chocolate covered ones. I went to that rice farm a few months ago, um, Lundberg Rice. If you buy their rice or their rice cakes, Is it and in Colorado? It's in California, okay. Northern California, and I learned about the entire process of making, they're harvesting their rice and making their rice cakes and their stuff all comes in plastic. Although some of the things come in cardboard boxes and then the inside is plastic. So they're trying to reduce the plastic, but they, as a company, divert 99.7% of their waste from landfill. And they're working towards entirely being powered by solar and all these things. So like, if you just evaluate the plastic bag on the shelf, yeah, they aren't killing it. But if you look at somebody who might be in a brown box that was throwing out tons of stuff in the process of making that using tons of power like we're just lacking so much context Mm -hmm. so that's really my current mission is just like understand the nuances of it because it is so confusing and it is so like oh my god i can't do anything because like everything comes in plastic and everybody's yelling at me and like we're all screwed and like how can we yeah balance that
1: it can be very overwhelming
0: so overwhelming
1: you're very smart and Thank you. <laughs> informed in this particular, in a lot of areas, but in this particular area, I was going to ask you like three top things that we can all do, which I'm happy for you to answer. But I, I'm, I'm sensing that it's so going back to context. Like I think it's so specific to where you like the way I do sustainability in New York City would be totally different than what you do and what someone else does living on a farm. And and so to talk about that maybe seems. I don't know. Can, can you give
0: yeah. maybe three things? I think the first thing that I always say is to like stop and think before you buy anything or do, you know, like consume things. Like, do I actually need this? Is there a plastic-free alternative? Is this something that I want to bring into my life? Is there something? How will the end of life of this product be? Can I donate it? Will it end up in a landfill, etc.? cetera? So like that's always my number one tip is just like stop, take a breath. And really, I mean, I believe that in all aspects of your life, whether it's a physical product or a friend, or a job, or an experience, like just being intentional with the things and the people and the experiences you bring in your life. If you have access to composting, like either if you can do one in your backyard or your city does it, I think it's an amazing, amazing way to be more sustainable. It's like seriously one of my favorite things. And it sounds really gross at first because you're like, ew, I have all these like rotting food scraps. But I will give you a couple tips. One, well actually just one tip. Freeze your compost. It is totally life-changing. You don't have to worry about it. You can bring it to the farmer's market. If you have a farmer's market drop off, whenever you want, it's not going to leak. It's not going to get gross. The only consideration is how much space you have in your freezer. And it changes your relationship with your trash because you, your trash doesn't smell. You're not throwing out food. So I take out my trash maybe once a month. And like, I'm not one of those people that has a mason jar for seven years of trash. But like once a month is pretty good for me. And then, And then the last thing is just like in terms of your waste is I would say, just keep an eye on your trash. And like, what are you throwing out? And if you realize like every month they throw out six bottles of almond milk, like maybe look into making your own almond milk or what an alternative might look like. So I think it's just being oh, good like stopping thinking yeah. and being more conscious and just being like, how can I make little changes? And like, I always tell my friends, like when they text me about their quote unquote failures, like, oh man, I try to get these sustainable things, but they all came wrapped in plastic. I'm like, that's awesome. Because the fact that you're even recognizing that is so important because most people don't even think about these things yeah. also stop shopping on amazon sorry just gonna leave that there. really i just hate amazon i mean but if you do like do things like bundle your packages and there's ways to reduce the amount of packaging you have and ship them ground instead of two day if you can two day mail if you can because that makes the routes more efficient mm. um i think we're just so used to like ordering toilet paper on amazon yeah. it's like go support your local stores even if it's a local walgreens it's still money that's tax money that's staying in your community and keeping employ people employed in your community and
1: connecting with another human being yes
0: you exactly know? talk about loneliness like we're all just staring at a screen and
1: clicking things to our door in my little hometown east lansing there's a lot of you know like the parking lots where there used to always be an attendant in those spots where you would actually give your money to i went back home in april and all the attend they were all machines and I loved this woman who worked there and I would like see her, I would go to have to pay for parking every day. I went to yoga and I would see her and I I just burst into tears because I was like, where is this woman? She's unemployed now. She's been replaced by a machine. And I don't think that's healthy for us. No, I That's mean, not doing our mental health any favors. That's the big thing that I'm
0: currently working on is just, I'm, going, I'm, I'm planning to take a long Instagram break and just like meet like do more things in person like mm-hmm. that's why i want to do events like i just want to like, meet people and like connect to people and spend more time outside like even though i spend all day in instagram in my dms connecting to people i'm still not connecting to people that's fake yeah you get a hit you get a hit of the people in this room i probably met on instagram but like at the same time yeah you don't like well, it's have fake that- until now right really right and it's just like it's hard because you're so distracted like i'm literally the least present person because I'm just like I'm watching TV and on my phone like mm-hmm. why and then Ian wants to kill me because I'm like what just happened and he's like really and I'm like sorry I, li- like, I feel like I can't even help it and I'm like I mean unless we're watching like This Is Us or something but <laughs> even sometimes I do it with that show and that's really sad you didn't do it last night no I, but I, I, I try to leave my phone on the other side of the room yeah. because otherwise I start to do it and then it's it's oh, awful my friend calls it double screening yeah was yeah. that you? that is oh, me that, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, I, were, I was like somebody on my podcast told me this, yeah, and then I remembered me. it was you. Yeah, yeah. episode twenty two. I was just gonna
1: say, if I really episode twenty yeah, two, it's That's Katie's hilarious. lucky
0: number, and I didn't even plan it.
1: Speaking of dark things, well, that wasn't dark. My lucky <laughs> yeah, number is very bright and lovely. Did anyone see that movie First Reform with Ethan Hawke? Honestly, don't. It's <laughs> very dark, but about the environment and just. In general, we were talking about this today in the car. I'm I'm feeling, and this is one of the topics that I wrote down that I wanted to have us all discuss, which is just, is anyone else feeling like this pressure, like this sense of pressure to like get it all done or like overwhelm and like do a lot of things and get it done in a certain time? And I don't know if that's just like Q4 of the year of like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or I'm not sure what it is. And in and, and the car today, I was like, maybe it's because the world is ending, you know? And I was thinking about this film which is very very dark but about the the climate crisis you know and about like the reality of the situation and so with that and with sustainability and just generally like in life how do you what is your outlook on that how do you stay positive when things can seem so bleak
0: I don't always I went through like a period where it's like I'm gonna like I don't care if something comes in plastic because it doesn't matter anymore it's hard it is is really really, like
1: it's a bummer way to think and be but like
0: there's a reality where that, like, that could be true. It's right. just, and that's why I get, like, kind of frustrated with the zero waste movement, even though I totally think it's important, and I always brew my cup everywhere, and my cutlery, and all of that stuff, but it's, like, I wonder, I often think about, like, the curve at which that's growing, and the curve at which our planet is declining, and, like, how can we, like, encourage enough people to bring their own straw to, like, actually, tip maybe a, that's tip a, too a, big of a leap, right, like, and just like but also too slow mm-hmm. like are we really going to save the planet one straw right. at a time i don't know like maybe maybe like all of a sudden it becomes this huge thing and we right. can like divert all this plastic but sometimes i do feel really like should i bring kids into this world like what's going to happen like i don't know it's scary it is really scary like i don't think many i don't i think a lot of people don't think about it or take it seriously but like it is a severe threat and i i do get down i do have hope from situations like in cape town they had day zero, which was their—they were about to run out of water as a city, and they wouldn't have access to water. And basically, like the entire city, like banded together, and they like started doing initiatives, like taking shorter showers and things like that. And they kept pushing it back, and now it's been pushed back indefinitely. So, like, I hope it doesn't get to a point where it's like really obvious, even though it kind of started already is. Um, but like, hopefully, in those situations, people will be like, "Oh, we need to course correct, um, and we need to like do something." But I also. This is really—do you want to go, like, really dark? Yeah. Because, like, I recently had a thought of, like—I can't, I can't believe I'm even saying this in, like, a forum where, like, multiple thousands of people will hear it. But, like, I've had the thought of, like, maybe it's a better thing that we're just wiped off this planet. Like, maybe, like, the humans just kind of suck. And, like, I had this thought, like, I saw a dead squirrel on the road. <laughs> the darkest the darkest podcast I saw a dead squirrel and I was like it sucks that like we created all these roads and all these systems that like this used to be nature and like Animals could do their thing, and now we're just, like, murdering them because we have cars, and we have fancy houses, and, like, it's weird if you think about it. I know. I'm sorry. Everyone's like, I'm going to leave now. Can I have more apple cider? Like, I don't know what's happening. Happy holidays, holidays, everybody. It's true. Like, it's true that we have messed up the planet. I'm not saying the people in this room. Like, I'm sure the people in this room are probably better than most. Um, But we contributed to it. And the people listening. But... (laughs) I think, yeah, but I think that it sometimes, I mean, I've read quotes and I've read like studies that like the planet is going to be okay or not. Like, so it will eventually go through a phase and get back to where it needs to be, but potentially, (laughs) Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. Like, I think we need to do our best and I think we need to like, and I also really think it needs to start from like the top down. There needs to be more legislation. There needs to be more companies taking control because like, like, recycling became, like, a thing because Coca-Cola right. decided, like, we feel bad. We're creating all these plastic bottles. So, like, let's encourage people to recycle. And, like, it's no longer our problem. Now it's your problem. You have to recycle. And, like, that's BS. Like, we need it to start from those places because, like, there's only so many reusable mm-hmm. straws that mm-hmm. are going to save the world. You right.
1: Know? Right.
0: In right. a To, to bring to the talk about to, men, to bring the
1: mood back up a little bit, how do you do that? So we talked; that was specific to sustainability, but in a mental health sort of a way, how do you practice optimism? Like, what what do you do when you're when you're feeling sad? How do you pivot?
0: That's a good question. I think I've learned more recently than not that I am somewhat of an introvert, and like alone time is very important to me. We're both
1: ENFPs in Myers-Briggs, which is, if it's a spectrum, the least extroverted of the extroverts. So we need Mm -hmm. equal alone time and equal time with people. Is that
0: ENFP specifically? Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. I try to just like, I think rituals are really helpful to me. Like I have my morning herbal elixir and like there's just things that I like feel like I can control. Yeah. What are
1: some of your rituals?
0: my herbal elixir every morning. I think it's just like something I really look forward to. It's like, like you said, placebo, not placebo, great, whatever. It's just like something I really love. Like I just sit down and I drink my drink and I put all these weird things in it. And like, sometimes it tastes really good and sometimes it tastes really bad and that's fine. (laughs) That's just the way of the world. Mm -hmm. So that, that's probably my most regular. I go through phases where I journal, I go through phases where I meditate. I do go through phases where i go do yoga, where I Whole tarot cards if I feel like it. I mean, none of these things are like a non-negotiable for me, but I think it's just talking to a friend um, can be a really big help. I think it's like making a cup of tea or something that like connects me to the earth, going outside if it's a nice day um, and just like taking a deep breath, trying to take one thing I'm really working on is like taking more time off. You said to me, I think yesterday, like, it seems like you're really good at like relaxing and taking downtime, which like Ian Burst out laughing. I was like, "Oh, interesting." Which like really has been a process for me. But I think it's really moving here
1: has been good for you. Yeah,
0: definitely. But I think it's just like taking that deep breath and being like, "Okay, it's like stopping what I'm doing, taking a moment. Maybe if I can't stop working for the day, like having a relaxing tea or something like that, and just like taking a breath. Nothing super fancy. Sometimes dance parties; those are helpful too.
1: Okay, while you guys are all thinking of your questions, because I really want to talk to you guys. We didn't do our topics for each other. Those weren't your topics? No. That was just like warming up the mics, but now it's been a long time.
0: (laughs) Welcome to our podcast where we each have like three hour episodes. Let's do this
1: for let's do this quick. I'll get you out of here when we told you. Maybe we vary it. Like I'll say one, you say one. Okay. Okay. We covered this one. And do this one as a quick part. We covered this. I wanted to talk about pivots and changing. So we did cover that. Okay. But I wanna know specifically any advice you have for moving to a new city because you just moved from new york to denver
0: that was one of my questions for you oh it's funny (laughs) because you moved to new york that's really funny i think the people that i've met in this room have been through either mutual friends or like going to like a sustainability event or something so putting yourself in situations where you're meeting like-minded people i think has been really helpful also like one of the things i've really tried since moving here is like putting zero pressure on myself as much as i can like The first like month I got here, I was like, I don't want to leave my house. I don't want to do anything. I was like in a state of shock. Like I never moved before in my entire life. I'm from New York. I've never, I mean, I've left New York. It's not like never left before. But like, I mean, I lived in New Orleans for college, but college has like a a built-in life for you. Um, so I remember like, like literally going on a walk the first day we got here from New York and I just, I just felt like, Oh my God, what did I do? Like I changed my whole life. Um, so I think I just was like, you
1: felt very identified as as in New York. It was part of your identity when I met you. Yeah,
0: it still is. I mean, like both my parents are from New York, like both my grandparents are like, like everybody's from New York. Like we're just native New Yorkers. So yeah. And I think I really got caught up in the, how did you, how did you think
1: the board looked when we were starting? (laughs) Horrible? See, she's from New York. I really it's tried to I say mean. right that
0: time. Did I not? Ian <laughs> ha- says horrible. Yeah. Heavy on like the A. And my parents say like even worse. It's horrible. so cute. It's, it's horrible. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think just like zero pressure. Like I've been really bad at people introducing me to people and like following up with them. And I'm just like, I'm just going to try not to try so hard and the right people will like surface and stick and like, I can't I couldn't put that pressure on like I'm 32 I have a lot of friends in New York like I don't need to like somebody was like you should join a kickball league and I was like <laughs> no 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 like I did that when I was 24 it was horrible and, like everybody just got drunk all the time no never again so yeah I'm just trying to like do one thing at a time and be like oh that event interests me and now I really have been trying to get out more and go to events that like actually seem interesting and cool what about you? Can you answer? Like, how did you have so many friends in New York? So tell me that was one of my questions for you. It's like, how did you build your community in New York? Because you've been really amazing at it. Yeah,
1: I think I was eager when I moved to New York. I was so we were talking about this last night. I lived in in Detroit before I moved to New York. And I didn't want to live there. I really wanted to move. And I think Detroit is amazing and so many cool people live there. And I do have friends there but i w- i didn't try i didn't i wasn't all in and so as much as you said you didn't put pressure on yourself and i think that's actually really good advice cuz it ended up burning me out but i i didn't necessarily put pressure on myself but i i said yes to everything you remember this like you invited me to some like to so my birthday party that you didn't well, come that, to, but yeah. then I remember like a week later you had like some seder, and I went to your parents' oh, yeah. house you and I like, like my Passover. But seder. not even just that, like I went to some other thing in the West Village. Oh, Amber? the Shabbat dinner. Yeah, like I, I, well, I just because said,
0: you did your twenty three andme and found out you were like a third Jewish. Oh, and right, was like, Welcome to right. our people. <laughs> yeah, I will show you the way.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I really said yes to everything and everyone, and I think I was in a particularly interesting situation because. I was in a long distance relationship. so i was I had a lot of time not in a couple, even though I was. So I was just like saying yes to every friend. And then also, this kind of put me in a weird spot because I could meet so many people through the podcast and through the work that I was doing that I was saying yes to every coffee day. and i was I was really wanting to be in New York for. I wanted to have community there. And so I knew I was going to have to create that. And I never did that in Detroit. And I know that I could have done that, but I just knew I didn't want to be there. So I just didn't really try. And with New York, I tried. But then a couple of years in, I felt really burnt out because I was tired. You know what I mean? Like it takes a lot of energy to say yes to all those coffee dates and meet all those people. And suddenly I felt like I had a lot of acquaintances, but not very many friends. And I felt really lonely. And my grandma said this thing to me once where she was like, you can count your true friends on one hand. And I think that I definitely have more than five friends, not to brag. Um, (laughs) But really, I think I can only be a good friend to about five people at once, you know? And we're all busy and we have jobs and romantic partners and families. So, just the maintenance of telling someone about your life and hearing and listening and connecting with another person, you can really probably only do that with about five people at a time. And so I think to really, I would rather go deep with a few people than spend time with a lot of people. So I think with moving to a new city, you can kind of take either approach. You can either like take it slow and steady. And we were talking about this last night and you were like, I have a lot of cool people that I've met here, but I don't feel as close with them as I do with my friends in New York. And I said to you, I was like, well, of course not. Cause I really think it takes like a year or two years to get close to someone because I just think it's a, I think experiences bond us. My, the whole point of let it out, I, I talk about this concept of soft stories, which is I believe when you tell someone something vulnerable or tender or embarrassing, it connects us and it makes us feel less alone and it binds us. And I think those experiences don't come out normally on a first or second or third friend date. I think it's like, you know, You're hanging out a year in and you have a dinner date and one of you shows up and you're like, hey, dude, I had such a weird day at work today. Or like something will just happen and you can't, you have to fall into that. You can't really plan for that. And you just have to be patient.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll try to be patient. One very technical piece of advice that my friend gave me that I really liked, but... I don't know how good I've been at it is as you're meeting people and like going on coffee dates to like go to different places you've wanted to try throughout the city so that you can like get to know the city better and also if like the coffee friend date kind of sucks then at least you've like tried somewhere you want to go mm-hmm. and I thought mm-hmm. that was like good that. advice just to like try to go to do different things and see and I've been trying to go different places
1: we did that on our first friend date I think we've, oh yeah, we oh the the yeah yeah I yeah. love it there it and, then really I, nice. and I went there all the time and did events there yeah that was good my bad. first time Okay. I, I want to talk about, I wrote down spirituality, practicing, surrender, releasing control. Speak on that. Where, where are you with spirituality? What you think happens when we die? What do you, how do you handle like patience and surrender and like these big concepts?
0: Oh my God. I'm so bad at all that. That's like what I ask every <laughs> guest on my podcast. I'm like, how do I surrender? It's funny. Cause whenever I hear you ask that question on your podcast, I'm like, I wonder what I would say to that.
1: Here answer. you are.
0: I don't know what happens when we die. Um, haven't been there yet, but I do watch The Good Place. So <laughs> if anybody watches, maybe it's something like that. I don't know. I mean, I am Jewish. I very Me much too. identify. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, very much identify with that, and we don't like strongly believe in an afterlife in Judaism. But I also have been getting very into all these like more spirituality separate from my religion that's a lot about like past lives and your soul continuing so I, the answer is like I don't really know it's confusing I'm like I, and I ask people all the time how do I reconcile this with my religion and like this and that
1: but I, I have that too with like getting into spirituality and liking a concept or like I think reincarnation is the most interesting option you know yeah. and <laughs> and so I think a lot of these things that I want to believe. I have a a friend, someone who's done my podcast and he's Jewish and he says, I was talking to him about wrestling. I grew up Catholic and going to Catholic school and I have this like really intense guilt, which I think Jewish people have have too. Different. But that but that reprogramming, I think we all have it in some sort of way, but like that wrestling with wanting to believe something but then having this voice in my mind that's like no 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 you can't yeah. but but also like you're gonna go to hell you know like yeah. I think that is one thing that is nicer about and I, I relate to so everything that I've learned about Judaism I, li- I like in that way because I, I think that harshness is I'm really trying to like use it as a buffet and like take what you want yeah. and-
0: agreed and in Judaism we only believe that you go to hell for 11 months so huh. YOLO <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Also, you don't know how long, like, 11 months in hell really is like. Could be pretty bad. <laughs> but it's not the same type of guilt. It's more like your mom guilting you for doing things. It's most of the Jewish guilt.
1: <laughs> oh, God. My, but the mom guilt's the worst, man.
0: Yeah. My mom guilt and self guilt. My mom will be like, sorry, my mom's probably going to listen because she loves you. Hi, Andrea. Um, I love you, my, too. <laughs> okay, I can't even say this because she'll be so mad. But now she'll be wondering what I was going to say. So now I she'll just be like, Oh man, like this dishwasher. I don't have time to empty it, but it's going to be really stressful if I get home from the doctor and it's not empty and I have to cook dinner. And I'm like, okay, mom, I'll empty the dishwasher. <laughs> that's something I would do.
1: I take I after do your mom,
0: too, though. Oh, yeah, God. God.
1: and that's the thing about moms. That's a whole other podcast. It's like, if my mom listened, just the turn the the things that I see and the really loving qualities. Some of those I possess, but some of the ones that are not the ones I admire, I also fully
0: have. Yes. Love <laughs> you, yeah. mom.
1: Yeah. I'll call you later. Um. <laughs> I have three more. I have three more questions okay. that I wanted to ask you, but do you want to... Do you have any topics that you wanted to do? I don't
0: have a, like a phone list. I'm not as okay. prepared as you, but we've been talking a lot about money. And oh, I know great. I've been talking a lot about money on like Instagram, and people want to talk about money. So... How is the trans- how much money do my bank How account. much money do you have? <laughs> Let me pull how up much my money while you app. make off this episode <laughs> and no, but I guess I I guess we can the question might be like, what is your how has your relationship with money changed since going freelance? And what is and and if you're willing to share, what are your main sources of income?
1: Yeah, I fully will open up the hood of my car Great. and tell you guys everything, actually. But I the conversation we were having to loop all of our friends in was just that it is very interesting in for the freelance world in general but especially seeing people post on the internet who are influencers or freelancers of, or creatives of any type and you just nobody knows nobody knows if there's a trust fund or a wealthy spouse or Family money, or someone's living rent free because they're in a romantic relationship, or or
0: they worked a lot of hours in tech and saved a lot of money. Totally, like, nobody knows.
1: Totally, and so I
0: don't
1: know. Yeah, and and you just you you just don't know, and a lot of it is uncertain, and a lot of it is luck, and a lot of it is just not disclosed. Like I have a friend who has a company that I really admire, and she shared with me. I was asking her a lot of questions because I was trying to do something similar. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, My dad like gave me a loan for a ton of money. And I was like, oh, thank you so much for telling me because then I'm not racking my brain on how I can't do that with Let It Out.
0: And I always try to caution people who are entrepreneurs in this because people will say to me like, I don't understand how that business is able to do that. And I'm like, you have zero context. Mm-hmm. You don't know who's funding them. You don't know if they're self-funding. You don't know if their parents are funding them. You don't know like what's going on, what connections they had. They, their best friend's dad owns Whole Foods and they are in Whole Foods now. Like, I, always, I think that's such an important thing to mention because I think, especially as freelancers and entrepreneurs, you just see that and you're like, well, they did it and I didn't. And you just don't have the context.
1: Right. And comparison is damaging in, in every aspect yes. of entrepreneurship and personhood, I think, in general. And I think with money in general, too. But I think a big thing with, with all of it is like, it's probably a combination of a lot of things. Like the, I know some influencers who are supported by their parents, but also do make a lot of money through a brand deal. But like that might not come for many months or like uh, even actresses and actors. Like I have a really good friend who's an actress and she lives in London and she did one commercial that like paid her rent for years or not for years, <laughs> like a couple months. And then she, you know, did an indie movie and like doesn't work for a while because that commercial was enough, you know? So it's like everybody, it's it's a bunch of different things. And like, and I'll tell you about my current situation. Like I worked a full-time job, which I mentioned. So I have a lot of savings, which helps me because living in New York City is a lot different than living anywhere else. But I make money in like a plethora of different ways. And I'm constantly thinking of more ways I can make money. And I would always say this. So I make money through my podcast. I make money as a writer. I make a little bit of money through events or through different freelance things and partnerships. And I'm constantly weaving together like a tapestry of things, hosting things. And the challenge I think the most with money making with freelance is that it's so inconsistent. It was really nice... Having a full time job, knowing that no matter how hard I worked that month, I was going to get paid the same amount of money. And it was really nice to have it dosed out to me, where now it's just very inconsistent and I have to buy insurance and I don't know when it's coming again. And it's that on your mental health is rough.
0: Yeah. Is your, does your podcast, what percentage of your income does your podcast fund? Like your personal income? Cause I know you also have employees and, Honestly,
1: right now, most everything I have is going back into the business. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to, because I just, I have only been out of my full time job for like a year and a bit of change. I mean, maybe a year and a half. But I think so. Most of what I'm making is going back into it. And then I'll pay myself as needed of like, oh, my personal account is super low. I'm going to take some from that. So I don't actually like, ha- I'm not being gotcha. cagey. I just really don't know. But the podcast definitely sustains itself because it costs money, as you know, to make a podcast.
0: I don't know why it has to be so weird to have these conversations, but it's just like, we're we're not with you. Like, I don't feel weird now, but like in general, it's like, where, I just want to know, like, where are you, where's your money coming from? It would be very, very helpful. With people, you know, because I see people that are like going to spas all the time and doing all these things. And I'm like, cool, that's great. Like I have zero judgment, no matter where you're getting your money from. But like, Am I missing some memo? Right. Like, should I be doing an online course? Like, is that where you're making your money from, or like, are you making no money from there? And like, right. your husband's sending us by every day—that's great too. No, yeah. Judgment. And we talk about this all the time. Can so I I get I, his number. Does he have any brothers? Yeah, right. <laughs> no offense, Ian. I
1: Sorry. have a awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I have another podcast that I co-host with Serena Wolf. Do you guys know her? Listen, yeah, it's called Spiraling. It's about anxiety. You should listen it. It's great. but we have a whole episode about career and anxiety and career. And she talks about this all the time of like, and we were talking about this too, she doesn't f- getting product from brands or getting to try things or getting stuff sent to us is like compensation for not making that much money in other ways. Yeah. you know,
0: I always say I'm like the most luxurious poor person, right. <laughs> Like right. if you like, I have like fancy bedding and like fancy powders in my cabinet. I didn't pay for any of that, right? But like, and you're also, really good at
1: that because like, I, I just like buy that with my own money.
0: <laughs> I'm like you could get
1: yeah, hey, I know I should yeah, we got to talk about that um, offline. Um,
0: <laughs> I do get a lot of stuff for free too, but it's also like if I'm gonna write about a brand, I don't want to write about how great your comforter is if I don't know if it's actually great. So like, it's my job to sleep with a com- a comfy comforter. <laughs> Not sponsored but open to it. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Pin pinned.
1: Okay. I have several more things I wanted yeah. to ask you, but I thought that you guys is there anything that you guys are curious about that you a topic that you would want to talk about? Any questions? Silly silly did you out? think of the silly questions, anyone? Somebody's gotta be the yes. Uh,
0: <laughs> silly question, but I'm just curious. Um, how much does it I've been thinking a lot about like our physical environment mm-hmm. and how that impacts our well-being so I'm curious like like you moved here from New York and so like how much stock do you place on your physical environment and that with your well-being oh that's such a good question we've been talking about this Mm -hmm. and it's also interesting for Katie because she's a bit nomadic right now Mm -hmm. so when I moved here I was living me and Ian were living with my parents for two years which is not recommended. (laughs) Still love you, mom. Hi. We on and off for like, we subletted for a while and we were staying at friends' places when they were in between apartments. Like we had all different types of living situations, but we didn't really ever have a permanent space of our own. And like, that is the most relevant question because like moving to a house, like, first of all, I still every day I'm in shock that I live in a house. I'm from New York, like not a shoebox apartment. I have a garage. Like what? It's very weird. But yeah, to me, it's so important like to have my own space, like wake up and go to my own kitchen and make my herbal elixir and just like feel comfortable. I know for everyone, it's not necessarily, but for me, it's probably somewhere in my human design or my (laughs) astrology, my cancer moon or something. But like, I think just having that sense of groundedness and like for a while, it's like, we should be one of those RV people and like drive around. And like, I don't know, there's just something about, it would be cool, And I guess that still is a sense of home. But I don't know. There's just something about coming home to me. Like, yeah, I think just having place for your stuff and, like, all of that just is really um, centering to me. And, like, I think I I wouldn't have realized how much it was until, like, I didn't have that. Yeah,
1: when I walked in here... I've been staying with him for a while. I walked in here. And that made it sound like I've been here for like a month. I got <laughs> <Yeah>. here yesterday. <laughs> yeah. True. Um, but honestly, when I walked in, I was like, you seem good. Like, it It just felt correct. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, everyone's like, how's Colorado? I'm like, I love my house. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't really ever leave. Like, we both work from home. But yeah, I think that it does, for me, it makes a huge difference just having like literal place for my stuff. Yeah. Like, especially after living in tiny apartments where like the floor was a storage spot because like there wasn't anywhere else. Like, yeah, it makes, for me, it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. What about you? How's it, how's being nomadic? Does that affect your like presentness groundedness?
1: Yeah. We were talking about this last night and like everything you're talking about, it's, it's, I'm in this very interesting life phase that I didn't think I would be in right now, but it's the way the cookie crumbled and I'm trying to lean into it and I, but i hear her talking about being rooted somewhere and being in a house and having all of that and that's definitely what i want and i know better for my mental health honestly and probably my creative work and but i'm in this phase where i love new york but i don't know if it loves me and i think it's it's a town of extremes like there's so much i love about it i love walking everywhere i it's like the circuit you can plug into and do anything you want or you know retreat in your apartment and I lived in a small apartment, complicated living situation in the East Village where I always wanted to be out, which actually was really great when I moved to New York because I went to everything and I said yes to everything. I was always doing something and I was never there, which was cool. Um, But now I'm craving more. I moved to Brooklyn and I live in Greenpoint now, but in January, I'm going to basically miss a winter. And has, has anyone seen that movie, Away We Go? It's really good, Maya Rudolph, and anyway, Jim from The Office. What's his name?
0: I don't know, but he's so Mike. good looking. K- Krzaski, Chris Kriz, because I can't say it. That's
1: right. Anyway, they 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 go on a Mike. road trip. I think it's
0: Mike. Did you say? I was kidding. Oh, I was like, I don't think his name is Mike. No.
1: Um. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they go around the country trying to find their home, and they visit all these places. And I'm somewhat doing that. i I I don't like. I love warm weather, so I'm going to go to Bali and Australia and then live in LA for a couple months and then probably just like move back to Brooklyn. But at least, you know, while I'm in between places and I don't own furniture and a couch before I do those things, I'm going to take advantage of this traveling time. But there's so much of me that wants the rootedness and the groundedness of just being in one place. But I think I would regret it if I didn't do this traveling. So I'm going to do it and learn from that and then be really excited when I stop.
0: And I think you will appreciate it more. Because I feel like when you just go from like one living, you don't like realize. And you did that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that made, when we moved here, I was like, oh my God, like, thank God. Like it just felt like a huge relief. So please, everybody, it's our job to pressure Katie to move here. (laughs) <laughs> well I've been working on it but
1: and I will say too like I haven't been I, I went to Europe for a month this summer and then I came back and I've been in Greenpoint and I'm I'm in Brooklyn I'm, I knew I was going to be in a place for three months which even that felt correct of like just getting from Manhattan to Brooklyn like to answer your question like even that felt like an exhale of like, oh, I like have my neighborhood and my friends here and that like that felt smaller. So I think wherever you go, like making the groundedness, that's why like, even when I'm traveling, like I'm staying in Bali for a month because like a month is, be- it's hard for me to like move from place to place to place. Like my my trip to Europe was like two weeks kind of everywhere. And this will be like a month in one place, a month in another place. And I I think I need that for my, who knows, human design, whatever. <laughs> Anybody else have a topic that they... Want to throw into the ring? Question, silly question. Do you have one?
0: A silly question? Or anything.
1: Anytime anyone moves, I get excited, but they're just like <laughs> <Nobody> <laughs> coughing or question? itching. What
0: was the one thing that you were obsessed with right now? Oh, oh yeah. good. Good one. Good memory. I think that you've been obsessed with it.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting, it's an interesting one. It came to my mind and I was, and I said it out loud. And I like kind of didn't want to because I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to talk about it. but, But I totally will. So it had been percolating for me. Just, you know, you something comes to you again and again and again, and you're like, all right, I guess I have to read this book or I have to do the thing you know, or listen to this podcast or whatever. And I'd had so many people on my podcast who had just been talking about the 12 steps in one concept or another, like they got sober from drinking or they like used it in codependency. And like, I don't know how much does anyone like know about the 12 steps or right. Yeah. It can be very, very useful. And so it just had been coming to me over and over and over again as like a system that just seemed Nice, you know and then I was in um, again, like lots of people on my podcast somebody I um, I I'd, I'd had a hard year where I just emotionally had had like a lot of things I wasn't expecting and family deaths and just like a a bunch of stuff and and I was getting coffee with this one person in New York and she was just like, I think the twelve steps will help you and I was like, you're the seventh person in the in the last week, but I just kind of like pocketed it away. And then I was in London and my friend I was staying with there is the actress, actually. She's actually done my podcast. Her name is Joey. She's lovely. Anyway, she said to me, she's in recovery from from drinking. And and so she was like, just mentioning it, mentioned something about it. And she took me to this one person show. But I, I always had in my mind, I was like, God damn it. Like, I wish I was an alcoholic because I hear, does anyone listen to Dax Shepard's podcast? Like he always talks about AA and how it's like so useful for him. And it's like such a great system. And I'm like, God, I wish that was my thing. Like I have a plethora of addictions. You guys, I'm like a very addictive personality, but that just isn't where mine goes. Like mine pulls to control and OCD and food and controlling food and a plethora of of things that are a bit more intricate to heal. I think than and of course healing, you know, from alcohol is like a very challenging thing. But I do th- believe that food and mental health sorts of things are harder to heal because you can't just stop doing it and you have to interact with it again and again and again and so so when Joey said this I was like oh cool like I get it it's a, it's very helpful and useful and it just I think it makes you a better person because like we were talking about with herbalism and with these things that like our grandparents have been doing the 12 steps is really universally good it's like have some self awareness admit that you're wrong when you're wrong say you're sorry and be a decent human being and connect with other human beings. And I really think that system of things, and I I'm talking about it as if I'm very down the rabbit hole in it. And I'm really not. But the the thing that really prevented me from reading about it or getting involved in it in any sort of a way was that I felt like I didn't have an addiction. I didn't know where to go. Like I know there's codependency. I know there's Al-Anon. I know there's all these things, but I was just like, I don't really fit in any of these boxes. So like, can I use it? Am I allowed here? Like, do I even go here? You know? And then I was with Joey, and she took me to this one-person show, and this guy talked about how he, base he was a um, TV host. He's like a famous TV host in in London, and he had a mental breakdown. Basically, like his depression just got so so bad that he went into a treatment center, and the treatment center happened to be twelve-step based. And when I heard that, I was like, everything he talked about his depression. I was like, oh, I have depression. Like that's not an addiction, but like that's something that a system like that could be useful for. And so I just started reading about it more and more and like the whole point of the 12 steps is that it's not no one pays for it, no one, it's free. It's in and there's controversy apparently with Russell Brand that he like wrote a book about recovery going through the 12 steps because he's monetizing something that's really meant to be accessible and free, but honestly, I think it's a good thing to to talk about and to have people hear what works for you. And the more I've read about it and the more I've like Worked in it in certain. I found a place where I kind of fit in, and the more I've used the system, the more I realized that like so much of personal growth and self help, and really is kind of what I came up in. Like I wrote a self help book a couple of years ago, and I like interned for a self help author, and I've been kind of in that world since the beginning. And so much uh, at the beginning of my career, so much of my love for self help and some of these systems that have been so useful to me are so informed by the twelve steps. So many things that you guys have read you can once you kind of read if you read Russell Brand's book or you kind of learn about if you listen to Dak Shepard's podcast you'll kind of see that like so much it's like everything's been done before you know everything's a remix and I think so much stems from that so much spirituality and anyway I've just been kind of that that was my example of like something that came to me again and again that I'm like oh this feels correct
0: cool. I like that yeah any other questions good memory yeah good one yeah this might be kind of random. We love random. Mm-hmm. But I feel like after this summer, I quit, like, the job that I had for so long, and I really
1: started to become, like, more mindful and purposeful in my living, and I feel like my parents are not, like, their generation is, like, the total
0: opposite, and my boyfriend's parents are the same way, Yeah, it's just, like, it's really stressful, and I... I'm just wondering if you guys have experienced similar
1: things. I can't relate at all. (laughs) That was all yesterday. I can't, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm just like, that's very kismet. Cause I came, Sarah picked me up and I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm in such a weird spot. I had a weird conversation with my mom. (laughs) (laughs) So we were just talking about this. I can tell you my experience, but I think you have a lot of good advice too. We have very different situations, parents wise with this particular thing, but I relate to you fully 1000% and my poor mom like she I'm an only child and I come from a mom who is so loving and caring but doesn't have a lot of other places to put her worry you know like so there's just mm-hmm. one of me and what I'm doing right now is weird, you know? Like I don't have a full-time home, I don't have a full-time job, I don't have a full-time partner and these are all things that like a year ago I had, you know? And so it's jar it's jarring for me, it's jarring for her and it's hard for our relationship, you know? And I think things that have helped me and I'm for sure not an expert in this, but I just was thinking about this a lot yesterday. And probably in a similar spot to you. And my friend gave me a lot of good advice. And one thing is when the conversation goes to negative, goes to judgment, goes to a lot of questions that you might not have the answer to. I know for me, my mom can like press all of my buttons and say, ask me all the questions about things I don't know the answer to that I'm already stressed about. And then it reminds me of how stressed I am. And then I get reactive back to her. And my friend yesterday gave me this really good advice because she has a similar, we're both only children. She has a similar dynamic. And she was like, whenever I'm reactive back to my mom or my parents, when we're having these conversations, that like feeds the the argument because all I think our parents want for us, if we're in such a privileged place to to have this conversation and to have this love, and I have to say all of that first, but is for us to be safe and us to and want to connect with us. And so by having that reaction and having an argument, it gives you that connection. And so that feeds it even, and it puts them back into the dynamic of parent and it puts them back into the dynamic of control. And so if you just kind of don't react and you're just like, thank you, like a phrase that's been helpful to me is, cause I get a lot of like, you know, you're only home for two days or whatever that is, like that sort of thing. If you just say, wouldn't that be nice? You know, or just like really just trying to have as much patience and trying to remember who you are. And I recorded a cool episode of Spiraling kind of about this in in relation to the holidays in particular. But I think just having that perspective of like, it comes from a place of, of love, trying to be less reactive because that will just be fuel to the fire and trying to celebrate your wins, you know, like, I try to call my mom like when I'm high, because when I'm low, I think that's maybe not the person I should turn to because she will be it will worry her, you know, And so I think when I'm high and be like, I want to celebrate this thing with you, that's a way to connect and that's all that's all she wants is to connect. So if I can do that great and then when I'm low, I should call someone like Sarah, who like understands what it's like to be an entrepreneur who like can tell me I'm going to be okay because like my mom might not know if I'm going to be okay and like that might be scary to her and so that's not really what I need to hear so i think it's like knowing your audience and just trying to trying to find ways things that you do have in common and just stay in that and from what i've heard it's like i think it'll get better i think it will get better i think we're in an age where like it's hard we're in different generations like you said i think we're in an age where we're still figuring it out we're finding our footing and that and and then we're finding our footing in that relationship where it's shifting from parent child dynamic to i actually took my mom to my therapist this year and when i was going through the tough year what we previously discussed and she sat with me there and my therapist gave my mom this really good advice and she was like look look at yourself as a mentor figure, not as a parent. And my mom was like, okay, cool, 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 got it. But then like, she went right back into the dynamic and it's like, of course she will because there's been like 30 years of that. So I think just having some, and then I revert to fully child with her too. So it's just like having some patience that like, I think we'll find our footing in it, but it just might not be in our 20s, you know? It might take time.
0: I don't have much to add. I mean, I'm lucky my parents are both, work for themselves. My grandparents both had their own businesses, my grandpa's. So for better or for worse, this has always been the lifestyle my parents have lived. And I I think in some ways it's been really hard for me because I've seen the challenges that they've faced. And that's definitely had me create my own stories about what it means to be a freelancer and how hard it will be and all of that. But I think from another perspective, I mean, I don't know the whole situation, but one thing I'm really working on is like, that's cool. like it's okay if people don't get what I'm doing. It's okay if like I mean, my sisters just aren't into the woo-woo stuff and like I it, like I, it triggers me so much when like I'm on FaceTime my sister's like, what are you even talking about? I turn that stuff off and I'm like, that's fine. like you do you And like I think just living in that authenticity, like Katie said, they're just coming from a place of concern, probably, and I'm wanting you to be happy. So if you're showing that, you're living that lifestyle if you're showing that you're okay that you can pay your bills that you're safe then that's like really I mean you have to create boundaries and all the things Katie said but that's really your job is to do the things that light you up and there will definitely be people whether it's your parents or your friends or whoever that don't get it but find people who do yeah I mean I I heard somebody say on a podcast maybe or something like you really can't be seen as like a fraud or you can't like people can't judge you or maybe not judge you, but like accuse you of being wrong or something. If you're just sharing from your heart and you're just like doing your own thing, like that's not wrong. It might not be their thing. It might not be something they want to participate in and that's fine. But like you can only do those things and living a life on other people's terms just to satisfy them. It's just not, it's not in their interest either. So
1: yeah. We were trying to think of this song yesterday. Isn't there like a 90s song? Parents just don't understand. Isn't that like a Sum 41? Blink 182. <laughs> Thank you.
0: <Yeah>. You win. <laughs> you win. Yeah. I mean, I see it with Ian's parents. They're like, what is the difference between a blog and other? <laughs> my, his mom was like, where do I listen to your blog? And I'm like, Aww, okay. he's
1: so cute. And I'm like
0: <laughs> it's really sweet. Like they really want to listen and participate, but like they both work for the government and both like have a pension and like have like their, their, my parents and their parents And his parents are very different. Like they've worked in the same job for 25 years, 30 years, whatever. So it is, you just have to like know your audience. And like sometimes I just say, I'm a freelance writer. And don't go into the podcast. Don't go into those things. Cause like
1: not worth it. Yeah. Anybody else? I have a question for you. What are you most grateful for?
0: Oh, that's a good one. I think I'm just really grateful for the entire like self-exploration, self-awareness journey I've been on. I literally was one of the most stressed people? Uh, masseuse told me that once. Like I've never seen anybody like this. I was getting that as really. Well, yeah. yeah, that was that was really relaxing in that situation. Multiple masseuse, like people, like I on my birthday last year, I got a massage in New York, and the guy like got mad at me. He's like, "Relax your leg, relax your leg." I'm like, "Here to do," it. and I'm like, "I don't know how to do that," <laughs> like. So I am just I'm grateful that I've met the right that I've met the right people and learned from people and learned from you and learned from friends and learned from the internet about like life doesn't have to be that way and learn from plants and all these things, and like like I was just saying like the ability to realize like we have complete well maybe not complete but kind of complete control over our situations sometimes there's other factors but like we have generally complete control on how we react to things. Or what our responses to things, um, and just coming into that place and realizing, like, I can be a person that like can function without being super stressed. I don't have to like check off all these boxes. I don't have to like have anybody's specific approval or like make x amount of money or have x amount of money in the bank or any of those things. And just like really coming to terms with like being present, being intentional in my life. And it's definitely a work in progress. I'm not there yet. I don't know if there ever is a there, but I think I'm just grateful for all the people and all the situations and the opportunities I've had in order to really engage in that because I'm like really a different person than I was a couple of years ago. That's so cool. What about you?
1: I'm definitely really grateful for people this year. Like I... I was talking to you guys about this last night too. I really like saw it. I I think tough things can really soften people. And I'm a super different person than I was a year ago. And the people who have stuck around and the people who have just done really kind things for me and been patient with me because I haven't been the easiest to be around. And I think that I just feel so like I could cry. I feel so much gratitude of like just people and not even just people, not even friends necessarily and family, but um, people who listen to my podcast, people who interact with my work in any sort of a way. I, I'm really grateful. And and my when we talk about money too, I was thinking about, I was having like a really low day, like something didn't work, like a work thing didn't work out just like a couple of weeks ago. And I was trying to, reframe the situation and spin it positively and think about what I do have. And I kept thinking about this network of people. And that's something that like no one can take away from me. Like That's an opportunity that won't get shot down. That's something that I've cultivated and built for my entire life. And I think what I like so much, we were kind of joking earlier about human design. And what I like about human design is that it focuses on what you do well. And I think there's, I tend to be someone who thinks so often about like, oh, I'm really, I'm not good at this. Or like, I'm terrible at directions. Or I can't, I don't do this well. Or like, I'm not very organized. And those things might be true. But I think my focus on them isn't going to get me anywhere. So I think focusing on like, I'm pretty, I'm kind of nice. And like, "I, I can, I'm pretty friendly. And like, I can, I'm good at like, hugging people when I meet them. Or, you know, I think those sorts of things, like. Even if it's like silly, like thinking about what you do well and what you do know is so much more positive. And I think that really got me to the thread of like, I'm good at people. I'm good at having people around. And that might not be the most lucrative asset to my business, but
0: maybe it is. Yeah. I mean, that's such an important skill in my and life. Like, and I also think it's important, like what I was saying is to just figure it, like to realize that. You say you're not good at those things, and maybe those aren't things that are your strength, but it's also your priorities. Like, if you really wanted to become good at those things… Totally. I don't need to be good at directions. Like, my friend Chelsea, on on my episode with her, she was talking about centering money, and we'll wrap up soon. I know we're getting lengthy, but she was talking about, like, times in her life where she had to center money, which I thought was a really interesting topic, which was, like, sometimes you don't have to make… like you can live in a situation. I lived with my parents. I started my, I moved into my parents because I um, started my business and I knew I was going to have zero income. And like, that wasn't a moment in my life where I centered money and tried to make that a priority. And I think that just having that awareness and you are like one of the most self-aware per- people I know. To I'm just too say, self-aware. To just say like, great, I'm not good at these things. And I don't like, I'm not a good listener. <laughs> I know that. I know I will never be like a coach or a therapist or anything. I'm a terrible listener, which is kind of funny for podcasting. But just knowing that, I mean, like, but that's right now, like, that's not what I'm focusing on. And like, I have the ability to make those decisions, right? Like, and you, your network is so, I mean, I think that there's really nothing more important than like your connections to people. Like, that's going to get you everywhere. So. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think, I think it goes, going back to the 12 subs. I think that system works. And I think how we're wired as human beings is to help each other. Like, no matter what, like, not in an altruistic way of like, it feels really good when I know I connected with another human being or said hi to someone or like did something that I didn't want to do. Like I really do think genuinely like that's why we're here. And like even when it's annoying, it's like whenever I'm like that question I asked you earlier of like what to what you do when you're feeling really sad or low, like it's like that Chick Natan quote of like when you're feeling helpless, help someone. I think that's the biggest piece of truth I've found.
0: And I think that that's why we both started podcasts is just to connect to other people and Mm -hmm. to do things like this. And yeah, yeah, I think that's so important. I mean, they say like what the average American can't doesn't have anybody to call in times of emergency, like a single person. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's tough. We all feel like we're connected, but.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so much is like not controllable too. I think like I, I was in a relationship and that when that ended, I was like, oh my God, it was, it, it was so jarring but also there's uncertainty in every relationship when i was like in that relationship like this is kind of bleak but like we never know what could happen to people we love or our spouse or our family like we're all we're kind we kind of need to be okay with ourselves that's what i've learned this year because we're the only one that's gonna go with ourselves all the way to the end Mm -hmm. which again which is not the good note to to end on on? um Anybody else have a funny question for us? Anybody? Yeah, is there okay. anything you wish
0: we would have talked about? What about you, Sarah? Is there something I you wish? I feel like we probably should wrap up soon. But if yeah. anybody has any funny Ooh, questions. Quick. quick great. great. Um, if there was a food that you ate, like, too long, like, like chew for, like, about, <laughs> let's make it simple, two minutes, what food would it be? And it has to be, like, chew oh, it.
1: Huh, <laughs> my teeth are really, really sensitive. Right now. for the podcast, she asked if we had to chew a food for like two minutes straight. For my teeth are really sensitive right now, so this is like shitty for me. But so I might do like a pudding. I would say something crunchy, like we. Sarah gave me this snack from Israel. What's it called? Bamba. Has anyone had these? They're like peanut butter puffs. <laughs> They're so good. So I would maybe say those and like just like suck on it, which is gross. <laughs> Teething <laughs> at the moment. I have like my. I have a, when I get stressed, I um, clench my teeth. Yeah, probably chocolate.
0: I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. Yeah, Sarah loves chocolate. I do. I do. Could you didn't tell him about the uh the elixir I made for you yesterday, where I was like, I, did, I don't know if this has any flavor. You're like, this is pure chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> it was really good. Though. Bitter, and I was like, oh, I enjoyed okay. it. All right. Um,
1: anybody else? A weird question. I have one more yes. One.
0: Actually, say this at work. Do you crumple or fold? Oh, crumple! Um. I didn't even know that was an option. Pretty much, I'm kind of like a mix of both. The question was, do you crumple or fold toilet paper? You're a mixture. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a yeah. I'm mostly crumple. I may have folded on occasion. I'm
1: a little bit of a mixture. Interesting. Yeah. Where do
0: you no. work? Do you work at a toilet paper company? <laughs> Charmin. By Sponsored the way, by the Charmin. The number of pitches that I got for gift guides, by the way, for toilet paper. This new toilet paper is revolutionary. Really? Revolutionary. Yeah. They're all like these eco toilet papers, but I got like four that said they were. Changing the industry. Interesting. And I was like, sure, you can send me samples because now I don't have to pay for toilet paper for like at least three years. I have so much That's toilet so paper. That's funny. In, in Paris, bamboo. there was a yeah, lot going, of there bamboo. A
1: lot of pink toilet paper in Paris. Did anyone notice that when they traveled? Pink yeah. everywhere I went. Interesting. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but it like can't be good for us, you know. (laughs) It was like definitely chemicals. All right, this was so lovely. Um, Thank you,
0: everybody, for coming. Yeah, thank
1: you for coming. Can we end the let it out way with a with a deep breath all together? Okay, inhale, let it out. (sighs) That always feels a little bit better. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming. (laughs) Oh, great. All right, that was my episode with Sarah. Isn't she the best? If you liked this episode, you will love her podcast and what she posts on Instagram. Just get obsessed with her; she's a gem, which you already know at this point. Have a great rest of your week. I'll be back with new episodes. So many great episodes coming out, you guys. I recorded so many before I left, and I've been recording a little bit while I've been here. And I just I can't wait for you to hear everything that's coming up this season. If you're new, welcome. There's nearly 300 episodes in the archive that you can dive into. Last season, we did an end of year, year in review episode. And thank you so much for all the lovely feedback on that. If you are going through a breakup, listen to that episode. If you have a friend who's going through a breakup or a divorce or a big transition, send them that episode. And if you are going through a friend breakup or something Challenging or jarring, maybe listen to that episode. I've gotten so many messages that people found comfort in it from leaving a job or a friend breakup, a lot of friend breakups, because ultimately the sentiment and the ideas and the advice is really similar regardless of the situation. You know, feelings are pretty universal, situations can be unique. So listen to that episode if you haven't already. And I will speak to you next week with a brand new episode. I can't wait for you to hear. I think, I don't know what next week's episode is going to be. Oh, I think I'm going to do an episode from Bali um, with the people that I came to Bali with. I am really looking forward to sharing that with you. And if you want to know more about what I'm doing here and my travels and like what is even going on in my life, come over to Instagram. I'll share there. (laughs) I want to keep this episode short, but I will talk to you really soon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the podcast. If you're listening all the way to the end right now, thank you. That's so cool of you. And I'm going to give you an emoji to tweet at me and at Sarah and comment on our Instagrams to let us know you're still listening. But first, if you want to leave a review on the podcast, that would be cool if you are into it and also make sure on my let it out newsletter list I send things out there and you can get the show notes emailed right to you so I just want to mention that okay the emoji for this week's episode is the recycling green you know thing with the arrows I think that feels correct or if you really just want to send us a loaf of bread because of the sourdough that works too This episode is brought to you by Cured Nutrition, a holistic supplement company based in Boulder, Colorado. And if you're into organic, hemp-derived CBD products, you might already know Cured. They're great. I love them. I met them when I was in Colorado a couple years ago, and they make these full-spectrum tinctures and treats that work with your body's natural system to produce clear benefits without the worry of the psychoactive component. And they have this really cool business model that's in-house, farm to table, and CBD is becoming way more common now. It's included in wellness regimens and routines to improve sleep and decrease inflammation and reduce the body's stress load. And what's interesting about this company is that they really make taking CBD fun. I love their cookie dough product so much. It's the snack of, it's like, peanut butter and chocolate and nuts and somehow it's just so delicious and it has cbd which makes me feel a bit calmer and i take cbd a lot for my anxiety but it's interesting the founder of this company started using it for his dog to reduce Stress and help with the seizures that his puppy was having. So you can actually use CBD for your pets as well, which I think is really cool. Again, their cookie dough is my absolute favorite, but I do use the dropper and I like that too. If you're worried about jumping through a lot of hoops to get your hands on some CBD or some cured nutrition, don't be. The company ships all of their products safely to all 50 states. And you can find my favorite products, the cookie dough and the dropper and everything else at curednutrition.com. That's curednutrition.com, and use my code, let it out at checkout. That's good for 15% off any order. And again, the link is in the show notes. And if you want to try them out, just please, you know, use the code Might as well 15% off your order um, and let me know what you think. I would really love to know what your favorite products are. Thank you so much, Gerd. All right. Thanks for listening. Listen to Sarah's podcast and I'll talk to you soon.